He said, get dressed up. I want to take you out on the town. And instead, he takes me to a dead-end street. Rebecca Bender trusted her boyfriend. She was in love. But her boyfriend was not who he claimed to be. And his plans were very different from hers. I said, escort service. That sounds like prostitution. That's when he slapped me across the face. He said, you're going to go in that room and you're going to get my money back. Rebecca Bender experienced nearly six years of violence at the hands of human traffickers. And she's sharing some of what happened to her and how God rescued her from it on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. Hopeless. Rebecca Bender's life seemed hopeless during those years while she was held captive. Yet she found hope. And you'll hear more about that hope from Billy Graham a little later in this episode. Hopeless, yet there's hope. Only a Christian can hope to totally cope with life. The hope that Jesus offers is a hope that can withstand any and everything. And we can tell you more about experiencing that kind of hope yourself. Go to this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Or you can go to our show notes and uh, click on the link there. Could we ask you to be praying for Franklin Graham's upcoming outreach in the United Kingdom? Franklin is scheduled to share the message of Jesus Christ in several cities across the UK in May and June. But the Graham Tour UK, as it's called, has met with a fair bit of opposition. Some groups have criticized Franklin for his biblical stand on certain issues, and a number of the venues have canceled their contracts. Franklin has responded by saying that he's going to be preaching that God loves everyone and that God wants a relationship with everyone. I'm not coming out of hate, Franklin said. I'm coming out of love. Franklin Graham and everyone else here at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association would really appreciate your prayers for the Graham Tour UK. And you you can read more about all of this at um, billygram.org. Again, that's billygram.org. Thanks. GPS. God. People. Stories. I had a great childhood growing up. I was an only child, and I grew up in a real small rural town in Oregon. Rebecca Bender started life as a typical American girl, riding her bike, building forts in the backyard, hanging out with friends. But her life changed after her parents split up. My parents divorced when I was nine, and that's when kind of everything changed for me. After the divorce is when my dad really started drinking quite a bit. He, uh, he became an alcoholic. And my mom got involved in, a, in an abusive relationship after that. And so there were some moments in that that real formative years for me, about nine to 12, low income, desensitized to violence in the home, watching my dad uh, drink. Rebecca's grandmother took her to church sometimes, but Rebecca didn't feel very loved or welcome there. The unfortunate thing is because it was such a small town, I can remember walking into Sunday school and everyone saying like, oh, you're the one Um, grandma's praying for. Oh, you're the one that we're all praying for. And then it made me feel very judged. It made me feel very much like an outsider. I didn't feel welcomed or, you know, or like someone wanted to get to know me. It was like, oh, don't let my kids be around the divorced kid was kind of how it felt. And so it didn't leave me wanting what those 
people were selling. After several tough years, life got better again when Rebecca was a teenager. Her mom ended the abusive relationship she was in and moved with Rebecca to a new town. Friday Night Lights was the type of town I lived in. I was a cheerleader. I was a soccer player, varsity athlete. I was on honor roll. I was on prom court. Rebecca even graduated a year early and was accepted to Oregon State University. She had a very bright future ahead of her. But in that summer before she could get to college, her story took a turn. Yeah, that's when Rebecca went to the East Coast, trying to get away from her small town for a little while. It was during that trip that she ended up getting pregnant by her boyfriend. And I had to make a tough decision at 17 whether I was going to have an abortion and go off to college with my friends or stay in my small town and have my daughter and unenroll from school. And and so I chose to keep my daughter, um, which I'm so glad I did. She is just an amazing young woman today. Uh, But she also is what kept me kind of fighting for my life when I met a young man that was not who he said he was. That young man came into the picture after Rebecca moved back home, had her baby, and started living with some friends in a college town. The young man told Rebecca he was a music producer. They hit it off. They started dating. After six months of dating me and getting to know my daughter and making me feel like there was this carrot of being this happy family dangled in front of me, uh, he invited me to move in with him. And I thought I was met the one. I mean, I was in love. I thought we were going to get married and have another baby and things were going to finally be like a normal life for me. Then Rebecca's boyfriend announced the first of many surprises. He announced he was moving to Las Vegas for his job in the music industry. That move was not a part of Rebecca's plan, but she desperately wanted a family for her baby daughter. So she went along with the plan and followed him to Sin City. The day that I arrived, he said, get dressed up. I want to take you out on the town. Um, We left my baby with his brother, whom I had met lots. You know, you think you're meeting your in-laws. You think this is part of being right involved with this with somebody is that you meet their family. So I left the baby. She was about one. But this fun night that Rebecca thought she was going to have never happened. Instead, he takes me to a dead end street. And I can remember him pulling his car around on the curb. And there was a deserted strip mall on the right hand side. It was there was no lights, no signs, just like a ghost town gray strip mall. And he said, uh, put the car in park. And he said, I spent a lot of money to get you here. And that was money that I was using for my job. And I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. I didn't, you know, I felt stupid. I felt naive. I felt like the little girl that didn't know how much it cost to move halfway across the country. And here's this really smart, ambitious businessman who's trying to support me and my daughter. And I'm a burden. And he said, well, that door right there with the camera above it. I want you to go in and sign up. It's an escort service. and We need to make the money back. And I thought, escort, I said, escort service. Um, that sounds like prostitution. And um, that's when he slapped me across the face. He said, you're going to go in that room and you're going to get my money back. Well, after the initial shock of being hit, Rebecca immediately started to justify her boyfriend's abuse. She had seen the same kind of thing as a child. Maybe this was just how adults argued, she thought. And she couldn't afford, from a practical standpoint, to lose this relationship. She was in an unfamiliar city with no income and no plan B. And worst of all, she realized she didn't know how to get back to her baby. I didn't know where my baby was. I didn't memorize my address. 
I didn't write it down. I didn't leave it with anybody. I thought I just got to get home to my baby. And I wanted to get back to being excited and hopeful for the promise. I wanted to have the family. And so I thought, well, it'll just be dancing. I can trust him. I can believe him. I love him. He's not going to hurt me. I'm just going to get the money back tonight and things will be better tomorrow. That was day one of some horrendous abuse and suffering. Six years in all as a victim of human trafficking. I'm in and out of this life of human trafficking where I'm sold in what's called traded, chosen up. They have all these different lingos that exist within the specific type of exploitation between three different traffickers. Rebecca was part of what's called domestic trafficking. Traffickers essentially set up house with their victims. And there can be multiple women and children who are told they're part of a family. The traffickers control everything, money, social interactions, and often the minds of those whom they treat like commodities. The one I was at the longest was at the end. I was with an organized kind of trafficking, what they would call a family, for three years. And um, it's very brainwashed, very much like in a cult where uh, you have three wife-in-laws and there's other children and you're a family and you guys have each other's back. And, you know, you pick up the kids from school and I'll grab the milk from the grocery store and we're going to celebrate one girl's birthday as a family. And, and they become your, your isolated only community that you are now, he is purposefully creating this wall between you and the outside world. It's us and them, them being the outside world, us being our family, the only ones we can trust, the only ones that 100% know what we've been through and love us all the same, right? It's that, it's that opposite of the judgment that I felt as a little girl in church. And here I was getting complete acceptance, judgment-free love from a bad guy. So you create bonds. You form Stockholm Syndrome, trauma bonding, capture bonding. That dysfunctional bonding didn't keep Rebecca from trying to escape with her daughter, though. In fact, she tried four times. But her financial dependence on her trafficker was a huge barrier. And there was other obstacles, including a drug addiction and a criminal record she acquired after being arrested for prostitution. Not to mention the constant abuse, which took both physical and psychological forms. Here I am in this home that if I don't obey the rules, I am horrifically punished. I was the girl in the home who was beaten more than anybody else. I've had my face broken in five places. Um, I endured a lot of abuse. I would be given an hour to sleep in the closet some days. I collapsed in the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino and was uh, in the emergency room diagnosed with dehydration and overexhaustion, just literally being worked constantly. I was told that they would take my daughter and I would find her on the street corner if I didn't obey. I started feeling like I was going crazy. I literally felt like my mind was slipping away from me. And I thought, people are watching me. There's my phone's tapped. It's like you live in this tornado of trauma that's just constantly zooming in your brain. And you think, I just need a minute to take a breath so I can think about like a plan to get out of this. But the the breath never comes. Like there's no moment that you have it. It's like tornado doesn't stop and you can't get yourself mentally out of the fog. Throughout Rebecca's six-year nightmare, her family back home knew something was wrong, but they couldn't quite figure out what it was. They wondered about drugs or an abusive relationship, but domestic trafficking was not on their radar. 
They may not have known what was going on, but Rebecca had people praying for her. My aunt, when I asked her what she used to pray for when I was being trafficked, she said, I prayed that the Christians around you would be faithful. (laughs) And that just hit me because I thought of the women I would stand next to in a grocery store line or the parents of the kids that my daughter went to school with and how little by little, line by line, someone talking to me here, someone talking to me there, I started to feel like, is there really a God out there that's trying to get my attention? And that's why I ended up pursuing him to see if, it, if he was real. And he is. In the middle of the six years, I get radically saved and delivered from drug addiction at the altar at church. And it's just a story of what God can do. He is still in the business of delivering people. These are not just old wives' tales or stories from the 70s and the Jesus movement, right? Like he's still doing, he's still doing those things today. So Rebecca begins a relationship with Jesus Christ. She is saved spiritually, but physically and emotionally, she's still attached to her trafficker. She was caught in a cycle of abuse like so many others who have experienced violent relationships and the difficulty of getting away from it. There were a lot more twists and turns on Rebecca's journey, and she details them in a book she's written. It's titled In Pursuit of Love. More on that in a couple of minutes. For now, we're going to jump ahead to the day Rebecca finally escaped from her trafficker. It started with a neighbor who noticed something was amiss and took the time to report it. And their willingness to report something that didn't look right led law enforcement to start investigating Rebecca's so-called family They had a lot of trouble tracking the crimes to the trafficker, who did everything he could to pin any illegal activity on his victims. But he was eventually caught for tax evasion. So eventually, though, he did sign a plea deal. They did have enough um, physical evidence without victim testimony to sentence him to 24 months for tax evasion in prison. And when he was telling his mom that he was going to prison for not paying his taxes, I grabbed my daughter. And I ran, packed everything I could fit in a suitcase, called my mom, asked her to put a plane ticket on her credit card, and I ran. That was the beginning of a long recovery and a new life for Rebecca and her daughter. She credits her Heavenly Father with redeeming her life, and now she's helping others find new life in Christ. She leads a nonprofit that mentors trafficking survivors who need help figuring out what their next steps are going to be. We're honored to walk alongside survivors, but My heart is really to help women tap into the Word of God in a way that makes them pursue everything that He has for them. Yeah, Rebecca says she just loves God's Word. In fact, she just graduated from seminary with a master's in Christian thought and a concentration in biblical studies. Another big milestone for Rebecca, she and her husband celebrated their 10th anniversary last year. Rebecca and her husband have four daughters. She travels the country sharing her story and working with law enforcement to fight the evil of trafficking. Of course, it is not easy or pleasant for her to go back to that dark time in her life, but she believes in sharing her story, including the ugliest parts that can make you shudder. I think it's important because otherwise we're not showing what God can redeem. We're not showing how he does renew minds and he does put in us (laughs) A heart of flesh, and he is able to undo all of the things that the enemy, the world, the trauma, the abuse, all of that that was built up, God can completely restore.
Did you hear those last words from Rebecca? God can completely restore what the enemy meant for destruction. Rebecca Bender has experienced it, and she wants you to experience that kind of freedom too, and so do we. To take the first step, we invite you to go to findpeacewithgod.net right now. That's findpeacewithgod.net. And that address, by the way, is also in our show notes, too. In just a minute, Rebecca is going to share some warning signs you can look for if you think someone around you is being trafficked. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I want to speak today on the subject, hopeless, yet there's hope. Billy Graham. Only a Christian can hope to totally cope with life. There's the hope of the resurrection. Then we have hope of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. This carries with it the idea that God delivers us from a great deal of misery, psychological problems and spiritual problems in this world. There's the hope of eternal life. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, said Titus. The word eternal always stresses not merely the duration, but the quality of life. It's eternal in its duration. It'll never end. But while you're still living here, the quality of your life will improve a thousand percent when you know Christ. You need Christ. You need this hope. You need to know that you're ready to live. And a good way to learn more about the hope that Jesus Christ offers is by going to this website, findpeacewithgod.net. You've heard us mention that address several times, findpeacewithgod.net. And of course, it is in our show notes. Our guest on this episode of GPS is Rebecca Bender. She was the victim of human trafficking for nearly six years. She was finally able to escape, thanks, at least in part, to someone who noticed something that didn't seem quite right and reported it to the authorities. We asked Rebecca what kinds of things to be watching for that might indicate someone is being trafficked. Some of the red flags that people can look for are very expensive things that maybe someone of that age or you know what their you know, supposed job are couldn't afford. It should be something to look for. Frequently makes trips out of town constantly tired during the day. If you're dealing with youth or working with youth, you would uh, look for homeless youth, at-risk youth, truancy in school. Marginalized populations are hugely at risk for exploitation, women of color, children of color. And so if, if all of us kind of closed our eyes and think about who are the most marginalized people in my community, the other thing to keep in mind is just real hypersexuality, right? If you start seeing the person dress more provocatively, start seeing them post on social media more provocatively. Rebecca emphasized that typically there are multiple warning signs, not just one. So if you think someone is being trafficked, please don't hesitate to call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. The number is 1-888-373-7888. That number again is 1-888-373-7888. Eight eight, and the number and their website is also in our show notes. 
couple of other things we've put in the show notes are links for Rebecca's ministry and the book she's written. Again, it's titled In Pursuit of Love. We really appreciate Rebecca Bender sharing her story, and we really appreciate you listening. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. You can-